Welcome to the STR Insiders Podcast. We share tips for achieving your STR goals, aha moments, funny stories, and all the latest gossip of this STR life. Listen in as we keep it real and maybe a little sassy, celebrate successes, and own all the mistakes we've made along the way. Whether you're new to real estate investing, new to short-term rentals, or a seasoned pro, there's something here for you. Jackie is an STR property manager who consults with individuals looking to grow their own property management firm. Tracy owns STR consulting and media firms that provide education to investors who want to learn all about STR investing. For more information, please visit www.thestrinsiders.com. Happy 2024. <laughs> I am drinking cava in honor of our time in Spain. I literally went in there and was like, do you have any kava? And they were like, no, we only have two bottles. But this is not a bad bottle. No, no, it's decent. Cheers, my friends. And uh, to everyone listening, I hope you're um, enjoying a cocktail. And if it's your morning commute, I'm sorry. We'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we need a episode of joy and laughter after this year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's been a crazy year. Yeah. No, it really, I mean, I think all of us in some way or another. A lot of it for me is like how I operate as a manager is, I guess, a lot of trends. These are trends I'm seeing generally. These are the trends that have more weight for me. Although I would say every quarter or biannually, I'm able to put numbers to the trends I'm seeing. They're generally accurate. So even like these trends that I've put together today for this podcast, they were all things that I was feeling were trends that I was noticing when I was adjusting my pricing strategies or whatever it may be. And so I pulled the numbers for them to say, hey, it's true. Now, would I say that there are times that I feel like there's a trend and I pulled the numbers and I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm not so right on that one. Absolutely. Like, It's hard when you have such a big portfolio, but I think, you know, when you're in there, especially, you know, with all my focus being on pricing strategy, and I would say most of my focus besides working on my company on a weekly basis, most of my focus, if I'm working in the company is pricing strategy, I would say that these trends in the market are typically things that I notice over the quarter that get confirmed when I do my quarterly dial-ins. This trend, I like knew in the back of my mind, but I didn't remember until I pulled the numbers. Are you ready for it? The markets that are just a little bit up for me this year are the markets that have put permitting in place. That's true. Really? So you're limiting saturation? Exactly. And I want to throw this out there for our listeners who are like, oh my God, they're doing permitting, blah, blah, blah. Permitting is not a bad thing. I love it. Permitting is not a bad thing. You don't want your market to be saturated. And if you're doing a damn good job and you're following a certain level of standards, you're not going to be afraid of the rules that they're putting on you. You're going to be, yes, this is how I want to operate. This is how I'm already operating. Embrace the permitting. You know, and and I know it's different, whatever rules they put in each market, like there are definitely some markets that are over permitting. But what I learned just being from session in sessions regarding permitting at VRMA was that a lot of these markets will like, 
put too many rules in place, and then they'll pull back because of the effect that it has on the economy. So don't be freaked out if permitting is in place. Show up, be active, express your opinions, but oversaturation is not its not something you want to deal with. And I have a few markets that are oversaturated that I'm in, and it's kind of a problem. It's a race to the bottom. Embrace the density restrictions. You got grandfathered in. You have a successful business now. <laughs> it's one of my biggest challenges with my property. It's like my return on equity probably isn't great because I have a ton of equity in this property, but I have a grandfathered permit. And I'm just like, hold on to that. You can't get it. Literally cannot get my permit in that market again. And so it's really just a matter of enforcement of the permitting that becomes the question. Like if you guys start enforcing the permitting restrictions, I have a competitive advantage that no one can duplicate. And it's one of the biggest reasons that I'm holding that property right now. I love restrictions. And this might be the soundbite, which is kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Like, if you're going to follow the rules, if you're a good operator like we are, like, you have nothing to be afraid of. And I got to be real. I have a lot of rentals in a specific market that a lot of people have been suffering, especially the soft season. And people are tapping out. And I am thrilled for this summer. I'm thrilled. And I'll be real. Like, this is a great story. It's a great example. In 2020, when COVID occurred in March, everybody was jumping the Airbnb platform and going to Furnished Finder. Almost everyone. And I almost did with all my rentals. But I literally was just watching things and observing and taking it in for probably about a week. And I watched the number of rentals on Airbnb drop almost to zero. I should say it dropped to 300 rentals from thousands. And I saw the number of rentals on Furnished Finder blow up. And observing that as a property manager, I said, whoa, 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 wait. I know this was our plan. But let's hang in there on Airbnb. And our Airbnbs hung in there. When the market where we are started to blow up again, we were the ones on Airbnb that benefited from that. And I mean, we really benefited. So like, watch your market. Don't do what everybody else is doing. We just saw this actually happen to our market in Dallas. So they banned all short-term rentals. And if you've been following that story at all, and we actually got an injunction against the city. So we have another six months. So we're, we're fighting them. But so many people have already bailed. Well, guess what? Now for the next six months, there's not many options. And our properties are sitting there waiting for to welcome guests. The city of Plano, right next to Dallas, basically stopped all STRs coming into the marketplace for one year. That ends in May of next year. Well, guess what? Our properties are sitting there grandfathered in. And once again, we're reaping the benefits. Don't jump when everybody starts yelling, the sky is falling. Sometimes it's, yes. wait, hold on. What can I do differently than everyone else? And a lot of people switch to midterm rentals in this time period. And what they didn't realize is they created this now void of short-term rentals that needs to exist in that marketplace. Well, and I think that one of the key comments or notes about that is grandfathered. 
Yes. I think as an investor consistently is one of those situations where if you can study a market, pay attention to the climate, the city council, whoever makes the rules for your market, what they're talking about, what they're leaning towards, you can get ahead of is an incredible competitive advantage. And this is something I talk about. I'm not afraid of regulations. I actually welcome it. Agreed. Thoughtful, intentional regulation, not just all out ban. of control. Yeah. I mean, like, there are limits. But <laughs> yeah. I have a town where they're banning them all right now, Cody. So I get it. But I'm also like, I'm telling my owners, hang in there. Right. They're going to pull back. Should I do another trend? Let's do it. All right. Last trend. Let's go. Are we ready? I'm going to combine the last two. I know in 2023, a lot of us saw down numbers, even just a little bit. And I have some markets that are a little bit down. I have some rentals that, you know, are a lot more down than I expected. Let's be real. I mean, this is the market. We're not writing those high numbers like we used to. And and good for those who took advantage of those high numbers while we could. But this year, you know, I, I do have a category of rentals that is a small percent up. And I don't know if I re- recommend going this route. But my cost-effective rentals are actually up. The rentals that are kind of ghetto. Budget-friendly. The budget-friendly rentals are up by 5% for me this year. Now, that being said, my rentals with hot tubs, saunas, hot fire pits, the ones that have all the works, they are only 10% down from the previous year. So they're making much more money than my budget-friendly rentals. But there is an increase of demand on budget-friendly rentals this year. It's true. They're making a little bit more than they were last year. Well, and I think that's going to continue, honestly. As we move into 2024, I think that budget-conscious. There's an increase in demand on the rentals, you know, where it's a cheap stay, despite it not having the nicest things in-house. And I mean, when I say budget-friendly, budget-friendly for me is is slightly ghetto. Like, it's not one that I would get excited about staying at. And and I love my owners and clients who have budget-friendly rentals, but maybe they, maybe they may have different... Maybe they have different goals for STR than I'm used to. And I've learned to adjust and accept that they take none of my recommendations. I have some clients like that. All the same thing. So like my bigger properties that are more luxurious with a lot of amenities, about 11% affected. They're down. But then like my smaller properties that are more niched, but probably not the most luxurious in the in their marketplaces. We saw some some dips last year, but year over year. They're on par, if not just a little bit better than they were from 2022. So I can definitely can agree with that. And some of my other properties that are, again, I mean, the the works properties, they struggled a little bit as trying to achieve similar numbers from what I saw. And so it is interesting. Some properties I did have to switch to midterm rentals just to kind of foster the off season which is generally the fall months for us. And To be fair, you operate a lot in Texas where winter Texans is a thing. It is. But then also snowbirds are coming down in that time period. And if you can hit them in the right properties, it, it definitely works out. And so a lot of people don't capitalize on that. I'm in a Florida market for the first time. I had a guest check in today, actually. Uh, so St. Augustine is an older 
guest target in general. And so is my Southern Nashville target, by the way. It's like, so I'm in my forties, but I'm targeting marketing markets in their fifties to sixties. Cause I'm like an old soul, I guess, or I'm just like ready for retirement in my forties. I don't know, whatever, but I like retirement markets. This guest that checked in today, their kids booked their stay for a month. No discount. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she throwing the party. <laughs> Living the good life. <laughs> so are you aware of the car show that comes through St. Augustine? I've heard about this. There's a whole car museum in St. Augustine. Yeah. So I had a, a mentor years ago. He actually had a vacation property in that area. And they always talked about the car show. And they loved the car show. And it was like a parade down the street. That older demographic. I'm telling you, it's the same thing here. South of Asheville. They used to drag Main Street until they made parking. And like, I mean, it's a whole thing here. They have, a, But there's a car museum in St. Augustine. And for me personally, going back to like micro stuff, it's a huge birding community. We make jokes about bird watching. The the guests that come for bird watching. <laughs> We've dipped into an older thing. Like like but when you're in your twenties, you're like, whatever. But when you get into your late thirties, early forties, you're like, that's a beautiful bird. <laughs> Something changes. It's true. You start to get caught up in the bird watching. You start to appreciate it. So Whenever I'm in Florida, I'm like, look at this beautiful bird. <laughs> so I installed a bird feeder camera at this property. And okay. I have one of the local unique birds painted in, I don't know, it's like getting feet. to know her demographic, aren't we? Right. So, and that's one of the reasons that I think I'm outperforming a property three doors down. Is because I'm focused on a niche market within the tourist market to this area. And snowbirds to this area are a big thing. You know, just understanding your guest avatar really, really well. And we'll see. Maybe I'm completely off. But no, I am not. digging in. Like, I have the camera. I have the tour. I have the events. Like... If you ever want to go to Livingston, Texas, I've got properties that are right next to the nature preserve where you can see some swamp puppies. Swamp, swamp puppies. puppies. All about the swamp puppies. <laughs> now I kind of want to get into swamp puppies. You know, I want to do birds and Google manatees. It. Oh, I love the man manatees in Florida. Swamp yeah. puppies. puppies. I'm not so big of a fan of the, the teeth. <laughs> they're alligators they're grandpa alligators look up veteran dad bot <laughs> veteran dad bot is that what, what you just said it's a it's a uh a tiktok guy he's hilarious but he talks about this and you probably will find a tiktok from him it's it's vbd it's so funny because he like he rolls back to him he's like our young children are not going to survive. He just slapped that swamp puppy like it was nothing. The dad bod veteran. 
Bye. What makes <laughs> an alligator better? A grandpa alligator. <laughs> Wait till you watch the video, Tracy. I'm telling you, you will die laughing. It's- oh my gosh, there's one by Drake. Drake, <laughs> apparently Drake likes swamp puppies. If Drake likes it, we all have to like it. Clearly, it's a that's a pop culture icon. Apparently, it is. I I've had heard no about idea. swamp people, but did you hear about the swamp puppies? The swamp people. All right. So trends, though, like yeah, cost effective are up, but do you want to be cost effective? Because the ones with all the major amenities are still doing so much better, and those are the ones staying booked. The units that are suffering the most for me, the most are the ones that are high-quality units that are not budget-friendly, but they don't have major amenities. Those are the ones that are seeing the biggest drop in income, right? And I mean massive. That's where we're suffering. That's what's hard. And also the biggest drop in income for me, and I know that, Cody, you and I are in different markets, but a majority of my portfolio is two-bedroom. I'm a huge believer in smaller units, and I know you have a different stance on that, but my five-bedroom units are seeing a massive drop this year. I don't have a single five-bedroom that's spared. Can I just interject there and say that agility is key? So if you have a five-bedroom that can only function as a five-bedroom, it's going to struggle because you have this one clientele. Fair. Maybe it's my perspective. If you have a property that can be flexible, like it's a parent-child situation where you can split it and adjust to peak and shoulder and off-peak demand, you can really optimize that property. I had a client launch last year in a new market that's on target for my projections from a year ago using scraping data, so not the best data versus competitors who are empty because of the agility of the property. Technically, and actually, Jackie has stayed at this property. Technically, it's a five-bedroom, but you can split it into a 3-2 and a 2-2. And so when you hit off-market, where those smaller parties or close-in bookings become more likely and you have a smaller footprint, you can still book those properties versus the five bedroom, four bath. That's typically your large group, peak demand, further out booking three plus months. It gives you that flexibility. And I've been working closely with the property manager who was also the designer as we prep this property and now she's managing it and it's on track for projections i wrote a year ago in terms of revenue so despite all the volatility and all the changes and the adjustment back from 22 to 23 we're still on target for revenue because of the agility of the property and this is one of the things that my personal strategy is incredibly focused on is not just buying a big house or a super property or even a studio or a one bedroom. It's having a property looking at the market where you look at, okay, so what is the opportunity for the property as a whole in peak season? What's your top performing opportunity in peak season? It's typically a larger property. But when you get to shoulder, 
an off season, it changes drastically. So what is the agility of that property to change and flex and split into multifamily where you can have two or three units where your studio or one bedroom, two bedroom perform much, much better, almost on par with your four or five bedroom in off season. I would even add to this is think about not just buying a house, but think about separate buildings that are on the property could be a separated garage that could have a garage apartment above it. So some of our properties in Houston, we dominate because of this in Houston, because we know that our garage apartment can be that studio. But then at the same time, we have the three or four bedroom house. That's a bungalow style, but we can accommodate there. Or, you know, sometimes we have the entire complex, as I call it, because we have the studio the main house and maybe another house and a shared saltwater pool as an example. And what the benefit here is we can now go from maybe six, seven guests to 16 guests because now we have a bigger location. Now, why would we do that? Well, this is where I would challenge you. We're the only person in that area that could accommodate that many people for the wedding venues. And so when you start thinking about wedding season, now it's obviously the beginning of the year. Not a lot of people are probably getting married, but it's going to start ramping up here as we go into the spring, Texas summer. I think those are the crazy weddings. And then, of course, then it comes back into the Texas fall and the summertime. You can then obviously you're going to have people coming transient and then you go back into the fall for the another potential capturing those wedding venues and being their preferred partner that people book their families for. I think it's the ability to optimize each season independently. For me, that's the agility piece when I talk to investor clients, right? It's not just who's going to make the most ADR in summer or ski season or whichever your peak is. It's about looking at all of the seasons and going, how do you adapt to each of those to optimize your revenue? for your total? And how do you handle the peaks and valleys of unusual demand, right? So like we saw this huge peak in demand in the last couple of years, and now we're seeing a lull. As a consultant, my entire responsibility is providing guidance on long-term profitability. That's it. And so like, how do you look at a property and go, okay, how is it going to handle this year, next year, and five years from now in a way that continues to be market dominant? Like what's your sample size for having an insight on a market? You can start to notice trends around 10 rentals, I think, at least general trends. Yeah, it's a, it's a low sample size. I would say when you get around 20 to 25 is going to be a better sample size. And I would say that the thing that you should be checking if you're hunting for a co-host or a PM is they should be above 4.5. I oh, love yeah. to see those PMs that are under 4.5. I'm like, I don't even understand how you operate still. I have no idea. How do they do that? 
Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. At one point we were operating at a 4.8 and, you know, over the last year we really focused in and honed in our reviews, as I kind of mentioned on some of my early podcasts and we've been operating now at a 4.91 in one year. Get it, Cody. You know, we still have, you know, those bad reviews. Of course. We all do. It's all about how we handle it. I have a friend. We can get rid of those. (laughs) Don't do that. I'm scared to do that. not a good idea. I know. I'm like, it's going to come back and bite us. I haven't made the jump, Cody. I'm scared. I haven't used it, but I, but I, I know a guy. <laughs> I know a few guys now. I'm a little nervous. I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. But you know, there's a lot of ways to get those reviews removed legally through their process that you don't have to fight. And, and if the review is so outrageous or just so perfectly worded, then, you know, reply to it. Like, there's nothing wrong with replying to a bad review and saying, hey, this is what happened from my perspective. This is one of the many reasons that we love having you on the podcast. I appreciate it. So much good info. <laughs> this, will all, this will probably be the episode named Swamp Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Google it! <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, we'd be so grateful if you rated and reviewed it. Also, subscribe! Subscribe for more insider knowledge. We can help you get the edge in the STR world. You can find additional resources for your STR journey, as well as our social media handles at the strinsiders.com.